Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is your typical radio ad while eating a Crunch Bar. This is Automatic of Auto's Used Cars. This weekend only, we're having a whale. Bring the kids. See for yourself. It is huge. Gonna make a big splash. No other dealer can say they have a whale like this. When things sound dull, turn up the fun with Crunch. Welcome to Random Movie Generator with myself, David L, and David Edwards. How are you, David? I'm doing well. I'm awake. I'm living. My heart's beating. And um, what time did you wake up? Uh, I woke up today at seven o'clock. Absolutely. So I'm bright, early, focused, uh, looking at my uh, film review notes. So um, do you get nervous before the pod? Um, no, not nervous, I think, because I think I've done so many podcasts of you in the past type of thing. That, very um, relaxed certainly, in each other's certainly, company. Certainly, um, oh, very relaxed, too relaxed, perhaps. Do you know what I mean? Too relaxed. Um, and it's a case of, um, yeah, I think it's very much uh, trying to wake myself up, trying to focus in that sense. So there's a, I think there's a low form of anxiety there. Mm-hmm. It's not like I can feel it in my body, but I am very vigilant. Ah! It's like, oh, blimey. I keep doing that. <laughs> Flipping egg. It'll take my body a few seconds to get over that now. We're just so Absolutely. <laughs> I don't need Red Bull. I just need a man to do that every now and then for me. I just saw we needed a, because I haven't had a caffeine boost yet. So, so you haven't had your coffee? Not yet. Not yet. Flippity skip, you need that, mate. You need the old Nescafe beans rolling around the stomach to uh, to keep you going. If I didn't have one of those, I'd be uh, dead. Did you go to the cinema last night? I certainly did. I went to the, uh, the cinematic church of modern culture wow. to genuflect in front of the projector and uh, have my blessings. What time did you go? What was uh, What time was the screening? The screening was, I, th- I believe it was about uh, 7 o'clock. And um, classic sort of time. Or, or 6, th- I think the trailers started about 6.30. So like it was like, the trailers? Know, oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. The only thing is sometimes that you've already seen them on YouTube and the internet. So, because um, when you were a kid, they were fresh to the eyeball, weren't they? You know what I mean? So, um, 
mistress internet has slipped in and already given you a sniff of the new uh, treats that are at store. I don't know where I'm going with that. It all gets sexual, doesn't it? Which we need to stop. Yes. And um, <clears throat> that's what I say to myself Pronto. when I wake up in the morning. So I what did you see? Baby. What did you go and see last night? I saw um, Grand Turismo, the um, video game adaptation for the big screen. So you're aware of Grand Turismo, the video game? I think so. Is it racing cars? It is racing cars. It's the game simulator. It's a big Sony PlayStation game. And um, it's a very clever adaptation, this one. Because um, have you heard about this film at all? I don't know anything about it. Nothing. Well, it's an interesting one. It's um, directed by Neil Blomkamp, who's a big deal. He um, directed... um, Well, the thing is, Neil Blomkamp was a big deal. And the world was was put on pause to get ready for this new science fiction directed genius. But it never came to fruition. Oh, is this the the South African alien Yes, it is. District 9, he made loads of short films. He was working for a special effects company in Africa, and um, he made loads of shorts, and it grabbed the eye of Peter Jackson, and Peter Jackson put him under his wing uh, to make a Halo movie Imagine adaptation. Peter Jackson putting you under his wing. Oh, I'd nestle under that very much. What would be your um, first movie that you'd make if he said, David, is he Australian? I think he's New Zealand. All right, David, what's your new first movie you're going to do under my wing? God almighty. I mean, I should really have a... You really should. You should... Have a drawer of bloody scripts at the ready. Yeah. What would it be? Because if if he did that and you said, I don't know, he'd go, well, then you're out, mate. What would be the movie? Yeah, it's just a, a complete... I lay in bed a lot and I think about, um, you know, films and things in that vein. And David, saying, David, you've got one minute, David. What's right, the Peter, movie? Just, I don't want us to, to have a toxic relationship already, but you giving me 60 seconds just adds to the anxiety a bit. I think, um, not that I'm having a go, Peter. Thanks for inviting me along to your Hobbit Hole and your, your Weta Studios. Um... I think it's going to be a case of, uh, I think definitely a sci-fi extravaganza, something kind of, um, something exciting. What's it called, David? Just give me the title, please. Please, David. All right, Pete, it's called Brain Bumps. Simple as that. And it's a psychological exploration inside the the brain of of a man going through a midlife crisis. Um... It's as simple as that. I can tell already the way you're looking down at the floor. I, no, I'm, I'm not Peter, you. I'm me. Absolutely, but you are a potential audience. Um, a man also in his midlife. I'm not saying you're going for a crisis, but, you know, during those, those midlife... Well, that's, well, there you go. Midlife crisis. The Jeremy Clarkson's out there. Well, and you're it's making a case it... Okay. Anyway, back Jer- to Gran Turismo. Sorry, David. It took a, absolutely. a right Next, turn. Not at all. I mean, it's all very Gran Turismo, very much about car racing. It's about zigging and zagging, and sometimes those right turns take place. But I think you're right. I've got to think to myself, if I, what is my elevator whoa, pitch, whoa, whoa, just whoa, whoa, in case? Sorry, David. Zoe F has said in the YouTube comments, are you ready? Are you oh, ready yes. for this? Does that Mr. Edwards know that Arnold Schwarzenegger is doing an evening with at the Royal Albert Hall in October. Have all the tickets been sold? Because that would really grab my interest. You've got to go to that, haven't you? 
how much does it cost? What is the, what is the reality of that? I'd be, I would, that has hooked me in. Definitely. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Albert Hall. An evening with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Find tickets. Do they say who's interviewing him? Because they usually get someone really good to it, like a Louis Theroux or someone to I, actually... I think I am. I think I am. There, that is perfect. Sure, that's my doorway into not just an evening, but sat on Arnie's lap. ticket. That is... That's, that's value. That's... Grand Tier that. Hospitality, 3,700. What does Grand Tier Hospitality mean? Does that mean you get Private hire a Grand Tier box for 12 people. Half a bottle of champagne, half a bottle of wine, half a bottle of mineral, mineral water, a selection of soft drinks, luxury canapes and a cold bowl dish served pre-show, hot bowl dishes and a dessert canapes served in the interval, and a dedicated service waiter per box. Wonderful stuff. Dedicated server, and that's 1,200. 3,720. The thing is, it's for 12 people. Get 12, 11 mates together. What's that? 12s into that, I don't know, 200 quid or something. That's actually good. incredibly good. A butler, a, a Downton Abbey butler, feeding you Pringles throughout an Arnold Schwarzenegger in the flesh chat. That's actually very good value. Or it's £45, and what's that? Just, you know, a seat behind a pillar. Right, okay. Select the tickets. One ticket. Well, you and Ryan, two tickets, hundred quid. That's oh, a basket. God, I, I will, I will literally Google that afterwards. I'll be very because he's got his self-help book coming out, hasn't he? Which is him laying down techniques how to keep yourself motivated, keep the youth off the streets, and get them into gyms. Yes. Excellent. Because Stallone is going to be doing loads of promotions soon because he's got his Netflix documentary coming out. Right. Um. So I, I imagine there's going to be some evenings with Sly as well. Mm. Which uh, it's got to be said. I think the thing with Schwarzenegger is he does enter into a bit of a um, a cycle whereby once you've um, you've heard his self help mantras, it kind of fades into into re- repetition in a big big way. I mean, he is interesting when it talk, when he talks about marketing and things like that and how he sells himself as a as a as a movie star. But I think the thing with Stallone is Stallone writes, directs. There's other um, strings uh, to his um, Rambo. Uh, well, blimey, that's a very nice element. Strings to his Rambo, definitely. No, that's quite. Uh, that that'd almost be a nice quote for the dust cover of his book whenever that comes out. Whenever he you know moves on to his autobiography, but I think you get a bit more from Sly. Well, David, it'll be amazing if you did go. Obviously, but. Um... Keep us, keep us informed. My guess is you will not go and you won't give it another thought. You <laughs> of little faith. My it's guess. said, unfortunately, what wandered through my head was, I'm sure someone will film it and put it on YouTube for me, which is very unadventurous of me to say. So I can sit there in my pants, sip my Nescafe, and just um, fast forward through the, the boring bits and the good bits. Right, Gran Turismo. Absolutely, let's focus on Gran Turismo. Gran Turismo is a very interesting video game adaptation. It's by uh, Neil Blomkamp, um, who, as we said, with um, he was found by Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson put him on his wheel. Can I be honest, David? I, I, I'm trying to work out what I'm... As soon as you said Gran Turismo, I zoned out. Massively? Yeah. It did not hook you in at all, no. did it? No, should, should I be hooked in? 
Well, the thing is, it's for a younger kind of target audience type of thing. So you've got to um, think of that element. And um, I don't. Th- I think Neil Blomkamp's career is in a place that he needs a mainstream hit because, as I was saying, it was a case if he did his short films, Peter Jackson was interested. Then he did um, District Nine, massive hit, and the last three films after that have been. M- haven't really given the critics what they've wanted. He did Elysium Chappie and then he did a horror film and they've never quite ticked the boxes. So I think this one is Neil Blomkamp trying to do a very kind of mainstream safe bet movie. Okay. Because he was hailed as the next big thing, like the next big Ridley Scott. So what was, the, what was the budget for this thing? Do you know what? I don't know the exact budget. They haven't actually... Um, I'd say it was something like um, 60 to 70 million. I'd say it was in that right, element. So he's still, he's, still, um, he's still been given chances, isn't he? Yeah. Do you know, I was thinking that in a big, big way in the cinema, in the sense that, um, um, that he is still... I mean, it's not like he's being able to go crazy on his own kind of... Um, concepts and script ideas but um i'm trying to see if the budget's down here they haven't released the budget annoyingly but that is a very good question i would say it was mid-range i would say it's 50 to 60 um where is other films a flop after district nine elysium um it got its money back but it wasn't a massive profit and the critics weren't amazed by it but it didn't do amazingly profit-wise, but it got its money back. Chappie was a dud. That didn't do well in the cinema. That was a Hugh Jackman film with the artificial intelligence robot. And then he brought out a horror film. I can't remember the name of the horror film, uh, but I can find that. And um, that didn't do at all well at the box office and um, didn't do... Um, it got really bad critic reviews. In a, in, a, in a big, big way. But then again, it was quite low budget. It was called Demonic, and it was a virtual reality um, horror film focusing on VR. Um, so this film, I would guess, was about in, in the sort of 60 million arena, but it is very telling that it's not him coming out of his own script. His wings have been clipped in a big way in the sense of, no, this is someone else's script and it's linked to IP. It's not you just allowing to go Tarantino mode and write your own um, your own screenplay, ultimately. I think, basically, it's an interesting take on a movie IP, intellectual property, in the sense that it's based on a real-life story about a kid who is like a Gran Turismo uh, car racing fanatic, just sits in his room, plays Gran Turismo, and then he's given the opportunity by a a, um, Nissan marketing campaign to actually take these, like, um, video game nerds and put them in real cars and then see if they can compete in reality on a real track. And apparently it's based on a real-life story, and it did actually happen, that this kid who got these incredibly high Gran Turismo scores by playing it online was then given the opportunity to then actually um, race on real tracks to the extent that he then went to Le Mans and then actually started racing alongside real-life racers. I mean, if it was an idea for a movie, I'd be like, this is so implausible, it's ridiculous. But it is based on reality. Two questions. Did Ryan enjoy it? Second question, do you ever take your shoes off in the cinema? Um, No, because um, 
someone did i remember i did that um, with my sister and she did actually comment on the smell even though i did the actual shoe i managed to peel the shoes off in a very uh, stealth manner so i don't think she was aware that i'd actually slipped slipped the old you know nikes off but i think um she did make a comment about did i buy cheese popcorn or something like that some kind of cheese related um you know or she mentioned something about oh someone's taking this shit she made some kind of comment in cinema about an odor that i immediately linked to my socks so ever since i'm like don't get too relaxed i think it was the first time i had a reclining seat and i got two children i thought what really turn this into a very you know casual at home lounge experience would be if the old shoes are off so i slipped them off and um i can't remember what a comment was but i was like no i didn't buy cheese popcorn they are my feet <laughs> yeah so there you, you go. didn't take your socks <laughs> off and no i didn't i was i showered that day they were fresh um socks but it was creating an odor that i wasn't aware of maybe i'm just aware of my feet yeah i'm so i'm, I'm so aware and used to my feet as an odor that it's just part of my reality and um and yeah, did ryan go did ryan enjoy the film ryan's enjoyment of the film was um very similar to mine do you know so what? Should i'm I could, slightly like, nervous about what how many chuck arses you're going to give this now you've given the sort of backstory to neil blomkamp i sort of want him to have a hit well you can tell that's what's designed here that it's it's time for him to <clears throat> but you are right i i was in the cinema thinking hollywood's supposed to be the most backstabbing industry going but these people get a lot of swings of the bat do you know um what a lot of people have said about that is that um with a lot of these directors like Colin Tomaroff is another example. The guy's made, he did a lot of the uh, most recent Jurassic Park films and he's had a lot of flops. And someone was interviewed about this, about why these directors still get loads of opportunities. <clears throat> and they say, well, if you look at these directors when they're interviewed, they're very good at selling themselves in a room. And if you listen to a Neil Blomkamp interview, I always come away from these interviews thinking, yeah, Neil Blomkamp is the future. He is where cinema is going to go. Give him another swing of the bat. He knows what he's talking about. And um, I think they're very good in the room. You can tell that they come over good in interviews and they can really pitch well. Should we try that now? <clears throat> As if you were the new director? In what sense? Kind in, of, in the um, sense kind that of... you're, you're, you're new... Uh, you new kid on the block and we're just interviewing you for a, sort of a trendy magazine and you try and sell yourself like they do let's go for it let's absolutely go for it hi i'm here with um david edwards who's the new um up and coming film director from uh britain uh lovely to have you here david thank you for having me greatly appreciated what's so good here. about you then I think what's good about me is that I'm not a prisoner to the algorithm like so many uh, Netflix prisoners are out there. I'm very much the uh, I'm the warden of the algorithm prison as though I'm outside of it. And I go with um, my instincts like a tiger. A tiger doesn't look at data before it kills a zebra. It just leaps on the zebra and just tears it apart. And I think um, I am 
surfing what they call the zeitgeist german for the spirit of now because i'm in flow with society i'm not standing back like a scientist in a lab jacket looking at the data crunching the data i'm sniffing the um i fucking hate to watch your films if you spoke like this goodness me well let's count all the interviews see if i can win you over give me another question it's incredibly unlikable (laughs) disaster not good give me one more question see if i can win over the um so why is everyone talking about you in britain people are talking to me talking to me talking 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 to me and talking about me um in britain because i'm basically adding um do you know when you go into um boots and you and you um and you smell the perfume boots, boots absolutely they're a um, boots. sort of Boots are someone who sell cosmetics from the aspirin, the plasters that you put on your elbow if you fall over skateboarding, or um, I don't know, um, perfume. Oh, we've got two major. more minutes uh, for this interview. <laughs> Absolutely. Not a problem. Not a problem. I'll be quick with a perfume analogy. It's a case of um, someone squirts some perfume in the air and you smell it and you think, God, that really is a breath of fresh air. I feel as though I'm in the middle of an Irish. Uh, stream oh, right we now. Got one more minute for this interview. Yeah, um, and and that's what I am. I'm a breath of fresh air. I'm like a, a new Chanel perfume that um, camps in your nostrils. It's not basically. It's not easy, is it? <laughs> no, it's not easy. And that's camps why I think in your nostrils. <laughs> That's why I think people like Noel Blomkamp are given um, more and more chances because they are very good in the room. They're verbally very, very skilled. Okay, so <clears throat> if um, <clears throat> you're about to give us how many uh, chocos rate, how many chocos out of five for Gran Turismo? Um, if if people welcome everyone in the YouTube watching us on you on YouTube, please put down your guesses. How many uh, chalk ices out of five do you think David's going to rate the new film, Gran Turismo? I think I saw someone put two and a half. Um, someone put three. Matthew Sharp says two. He thinks you're going to rate it two out of five. This is very interesting. It is, isn't it? Okay, David. So I'll go time. back to these. David, now's your time to rate the new movie, Gran Turismo. What are you going to give it? Yeah, I, I I would go with a two point five. Basically, I would. I think it's a really interesting film in the sense that if you really had an aspiration to be a director or a scriptwriter, I think something like Gran Turismo is definitely worth just really analysing. It reminds me of Uncharted with Tom Holland. Not they're very different films, but it's a case whereby. Everything on screen is very competently executed in the sense that visually very interesting. The actors are all doing their jobs. You know, everyone's showing up and doing their thing. But it's like Ryan said to me when he got up and left. He he said, um, I've never felt more numb after a film. Really? It's a case. Really? It's it's a case whereby... um, it's like no one's put, pulling off a poor performance, but I would say the script is just very, very cliched in the sense that it's basically, it's got that chat GPT AI element whereby 
there's not a scene in the movie you have not ever seen before. And it's almost Rocky meets Top Gun. It takes all those motifs and tropes, and there's nothing particularly new about it um, whatsoever. David, Jerry Halliwell's in it. Absolutely. I was quite taken back by that. And once again, she doesn't do a terrible job. She turns up, she does what she's expected. But um, it's almost as though... I tell you what is massively um, lacking from it. There's nothing really at stake. The only thing is, is a case of um, if he doesn't win the actual racing car um, championship at the end, video gamers will be disrespected. You know, no one's going to die... Um, no one's houses or family are going to be taken away from them. There's nothing really hanging over them. And also, if you look at films like Days of Thunder, which had that real energy and intensity and sort of, you know, Jerry Bruckheimer testosterone on screen, it, it's got a very sterile feel to it. It hasn't got that vibe that... Um, that you want. I mean, you know, at times it's, you know, the cinematography is in math, but it hasn't got, I think there's just nothing, nothing fresh special. or new. No X Factor. Too safe. Too safe, which is where his career is at the moment. I think he's trying to do a home run because I think he's losing that kind of, um, that pedigree that was attached to him originally. But I think there's every scene you've seen before and you could link to another film, which is either Rocky or Top Gun, ultimately. Well, David, thank you so much for this week's new movie review. Thank you, sir. Thank you for your time. David Edwards Movie News. So, David, David, uh, got any movie news this week? Absolutely. One thing that happened, which is very sad, is William Freaking passed away. Uh, the director of French Connection and Exorcist, um, which is obviously a big, big shame. And it, it shows how well we're getting that those directors that we kind of grew up with are now passing away type of thing, if you know what I mean. It makes you realise about your own mortality, that those kind of 70s auteurs are now fading off. And um, it's a new, and they've got a new Exorcist film coming out in October, haven't they? Which freaking obviously didn't direct. But, um, I went to Jason a party Blue. when I was 11. And um, everyone else was sort of 12, 13. It was my first party, house party. I was about 11 and like 11 and a half. And uh, we played Spin the Bottle and watched Exorcist. Oh, my God, that's hardcore for an 11-year-old. I mean, did you find that quite scarring, not kissing a woman with a bottle? But Well, I didn't know how to kiss, and I was sent into a room with a girl, and we just sat there looking at one another, and then we watched The Exorcist. That sounds pretty horrific. That sounds like, can someone pay for my therapy bill as I leave the house? Because I'm going to need it after that. Yeah. And then I was expected to kiss with tongues. I didn't know what I was doing. And then what happened? You sat there confused, having to watch The Exorcist. There about ten other people, a couple of years older than me, scared. That, that does sound like a lot of mental baggage being created there. Did you survive that un, un, mentally bruised? Or do you look back thinking, God, that was a really horrific incident? 
because the exorcist is quite intense for a young I feel like I took exorcist, a giant leap level. away from my childhood in that one evening that's that's awful that really is um however I got a well good tonguing I got a well good tonguing under the windowsill WWF wrestling tongue flipped over someone's shoulder goodness me so she very much took the lead type of thing yeah there you go (laughs) I I imagine you weren't even focusing on the exorcist after that you were just like just replaying it in your head endlessly even when she's doing a 380 degree head spin and vomiting I imagine you were still thinking about the tongue wrestling I remember sort of being sat up get my back against the wall sat on the ground watching watching it absolutely petrified and gutted what I was having to get go through that evening and I wanted to be at home in my bedroom I imagine that was a massive uh, step away from childhood who thought that was a good idea the, the parent didn't get that video did they there was no parent there you go the Lord of the Flies that's the what happens empty that's what happens really yeah. there was no parent so it was like Macaulay Culkin so where were they? They weren't in France on a holiday that gone wrong. Don't know. I could tell, I could show you the house where it was at on Google Maps. God, and did none of the um, parents of the other kids know there was no parents at this place? Oh, I think it was a broken family. It really was, wasn't it? Latchkey kids of the 1980s, basically. And how did they get Exorcist then? So, because someone would have had to rent it. Don't know. I imagine it was on bought it. Don't know, but I remember there were three couples. I was one of the couple. I was dragged into this. I, 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 you know, I, I didn't know what what was going on. I, I like watching. I don't know what I like watching. Cities of Gold or whatever. I was dragged. Three couples lying on the floor. All the girls on top of the boys. All stalking them. God, it sounds like something out like kids, isn't it? That sort of nineties um, uh, social realism film. Do you remember when they were all just... Uh, smoking f- smoking cigarettes. Smoking cigarettes, exorcist, and tonguing. Yeah. Dear God, that's that's like a movie in itself, yeah. isn't that? It's like a social experiment so gone what are you wrong. So mo- what are you reviewing this this Saturday, David? Um, I'm, re- I'm reviewing smoking cigarettes, exorcist, and tonguing. Well, I, do you know what I mean? I think you've just given me my Peter Jackson elevator pitch. Do you know what I mean? No parents. Okay, Peter, listen. This is going to be a suburban Lord of the Flies, whereby you haven't got a fancy crash. You've just got a, a house around the corner. The parents have just gone um, nuts. They've just left. They've gone into self-help books, and they've gone off to discover themselves. I didn't know how to do, uh, not blow jobs, uh, French kisses. I didn't have a clue, David. Well, it's all about practice, isn't it? It's as simple as is that. It? It's like... Well, it's like skateboarding. You keep falling off, but you just get... But you've got to have that Tony Hawk's mentality with snogging. Just get back on the board. Yeah, but you surely need seven. a Tony Hawk's telling you where to put your skateboard. And this is post-YouTube. This is pre-YouTube, so you haven't even got, like, a, a YouTube video. Oh, if YouTube would have been, man, I would have been posted on, on the net. 100%. Snogging. And also, imagine with the metaverse snogging, you'll better snog a virtual reality AI girl before you actually... And it'll be a disappointment then, because you'll be so skilled at it, and you'll have so many virtual memories of snogging with virtual reality, that when you come to do it, it's just like, well, this isn't very good. She's not in rhythm with my algorithms. 
for crying out loud. She's not in rhythm with my algorithm. I don't blame her, no, no, no. She's not in She's rhythm not with, my with my algorithm. I don't blame her, no, no, no. Right, David, what's movie news? So we a couple of sad, or a sad bit of news. Anything what else? Um, well, a bit more power to the people. Um, one thing, obviously, the industry is focusing on are the strikes. Uh, they had another meeting with the studio, the writers, but they're still not happy with what um, with what they're actually giving them. So they're going back into strike mode with that. But now, even more so, is that the special effects uh, community are unionising, particularly Marvel special effects uh, community. So it's a case of... Um, you know, the whole of Hollywood is just being set alight, basically. So, I mean, the uh, special effects people aren't striking at the moment. Who? Do you know, where did this start? Where, where was the spark that started this forest fire? It's all to do with um, two things, um, subsidiaries with Netflix. Who, who that, um, stood up first? And, uh, uh, the writers. Which writer? Um... Oh, it'd be several writers. You know, it'd be the union generally. Yeah, there must have been. There must have been. Who's the the core of it? Who lit the the absolute wick to that degree? I think it. I don't know if it's just one specific um um individual to to that aspect. I'm trying to think if there was like a an incident or a situation, but I think it'd be a case of um. Constant, um, I think I'll tell you one thing that they weren't happy with, which would have caused problems, was that um, the big Netflix showrunners. Um, so I'm trying to think, uh, uh, people who would have done things like um, Bridgerton, what's her name? Shona, uh, I'm, I'm getting her name now, uh, Shona, um, God, this is such crap YouTubing. What I've got to do. Netflix, Bridgerton, she's the... Um, Bear with us, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to Random. I know, it's so bad, isn't it? Shona Rhimes is a good example. And um, they're given these a massive multi-million dollar deals by Netflix. And then the other writers that go into um, the actual writer's room with her really are paid a far, far lower scale. And there's this massive divide between celebrity writers and um, your kind of normal middle-run writer. Shonda Rhimes. Shonda Rhimes. I apologise. Goodness me. Shonda Rhimes. R-H-I-M-E-S. Get it right, Dave. Respect her because she's respecting the industry, hence her big contracts. And one thing that these middle range and lower range writers would survive on were subsidiaries, which would be a case where which are no, um, more. no more, no more, absolutely, you would be paid every time an episode was shown. I think you might get the odd subsidiary by um, Netflix, but we're talking cents. We're not even talking dollars. And I think there's such a divide between the rich and poor. Um, in the world of script writing, that definitely put their backs up. The other thing they're worried about is AI. The idea that studios won't sign a contract saying that they're not going to just uh, done cut that. out the writer. Been there, done that. Yeah, been there, done that. Apologies. No, not at all. So the new, it, the news now. It's the special effects that are jumping on board. Absolutely, in a big. And big then way, where but, does it go, David? And then where? 
Well, um, the uh, the crop, the union that looks after people who look like the grips, um, the, the below-the-line people, production people, um, their union is going to have another um, talk next year. And the studio are worried about that, that that could create... It's like a... Uh, it, it's, it's an element whereby time has come to sit down. They do that every now and then with the studio. Right, how are we doing? What do you think? And their time in the calendar is coming up next year. And the studio are worried that if they're weak with the actors and the scriptwriters and coming up with new deals, that... Um, the actual below-the-line production people, um, they're going to want big demands as well. So um, the studios are very nervous about that. So things like grips, stagehands, you know, your very kind of um, basic kind of uh, production kind of crews, their uh, their time for union discussions are next year, and that's a worry. David, thank you so much for this week's movie news. Thank you, sir. I hope it wasn't. I hope it was interesting. I think the, the strike thing's a bit like a bit uh, run-of-the-mill industry stuff, but that is what the industry is worried about at the moment. David Edwards So, this week's movie review, I can't remember. Hello! Um, Mandy! Hey! Hello. Whoa, very nice. I just got engaged. No! Yes! Engaged! Congratulations! Thank you. Oh, really? Congratulations about what? What's uh, well, She what's just said there? she's got engaged. Yeah, I'm going to get married. Engaged? Yes. With what? What with? Who? With the small hoover. Yes. Well, I'd like her to find a priest that will marry them because there is no man or woman on um, planet Earth that's happily going to marry well, two... Well, don't you say congratulations? Uh, well, I'm, I'm just thank saying... You, thank you for congratulating me. I don't know who's going to marry thank two Thank you for congratulating me. She just said, oh, thanks for saying congratulations. Yes, thank you for saying congratulations. Exactly. Well, I have to revoke that because I haven't because I don't think it's a physically Horrible legal man. thing that you can do. Horrible you man. Can't, I can't take my toaster and vacuum cleaner down to the local church and ask the vicar to marry them. Why not? I don't think... Because they haven't... I don't think... That, I think that's Have you ever human. done that? Um, try well, it. I will try Before it. Before you start I'll stating them. that you can't, try it. Exactly, I'll, I'll, David. I've got a uh, TV will in front you? of me. And I've no, got you won't. Boat. Yes, I will. And I'll no, take them won't. down to the local church and I'll ask the vicar and say, can you marry these two objects? I'm doing some research for my friend, Mandy. Right, David. So this week's movie review... What was it? What was the movie that Mandy randomly chose for you? It is 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, the Disney Wonderful. interpretation, 1954 family drama from the classic novel. Right. This is lovely, because this is a title I saw so many times growing up on a Sunday afternoon, and I immediately, I don't know why, I immediately switched over. Why did I do that with these movies? All these movies growing up, I didn't just sit there and go, I'm going to watch this. I just went, nah, 
Yeah, there's something, I think because it's an, an old school novel, perhaps, it hasn't got the sexy marketing attached to it. I don't think those films came out when we were young. I mean, this is the 50s. So, I mean, when you were a kid, you would have been an 80s kid into Star Wars and, um, you know, James Bond and things like that. So it didn't have that ultra modern vibe. It had that 50s twee Disney sort of um, aesthetic about it and that could have turned you off what a shame tell us all about it David well the whole uh, narrative to it is the idea that um, there is a creature supposedly a creature that is attacking uh, large vessels and sinking them and a um, a crew is put together uh, of these specific kind of um, right, I mean, people that I'm in that have got these specific kind of um, uh, skills to actually investigate what this creature is that is actually attacking these vessels and sinking them. And um, they find out that it's not an actual creature. It's this futuristic submarine um, that's uh, basically uh, captained by Captain Nemo that is attacking vessels and then going 2,000, 20,000 leagues under the sea after each attack. And the crew of this, um, uh, this the crew that are put on this investigation to find this beast that turns out to be the submarine are taken as sort of prisoners by Captain Nemo and are introduced to his submarine. And there's this constant vibe of... How on earth did this captain create this futuristic submarine that's got this very cool steampunk feel to it? And also, what has he got against humankind, whereby he actually wants to attack them, and that's kept away from the audience, and is only revealed later on? Well, let's let's have a little listen to a bit of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Absolutely. quarters with the most tenacious of all sea beasts. Stay clear of the tentacles. They'll seize anything within reach and hang on to the death. The only vital spot is directly between the eyes. Already beaten surfacing, sir. Stand by. your general feeling going into this movie i think it was exactly what you just said that i'd never just like you as a kid it was always in the background but i'd never really watched it also i'm aware that that disney have tried to reboot it several times you know it's an ip that they're very confident with and i think they feel that um 
you know, it could be reinterpreted for a modern audience. Like we mentioned last week, David Fincher very nearly remade it with Brad Pitt as Nemo. So it's something that, um, you know, a lot of people have um, felt very confident that it could be rebooted and it's just stayed in development hell. So you went in there with a little bit of hope? Yes, it was a case of, right, what is this about? You know, it's obviously had a life outside of being a novel. It's a constant reference piece of popular culture, but I've never sat down and actually watched it. So when you did sit down and watch it, how many times did you get up to sit down again? Two sittings I had. So one got up, got a coffee... Uh, one got up, toasted some crumpets, and um, got back to my so seat. So sat down, watched some, got up, made a coffee, sat down, watched some more, got up, made some, toasted some crumpets, sat down, watched to the end. Absolutely. That would be my Dave Edwards review. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's important stuff, the old attention span. Right. Uh, how, how, how long I was captivated. I guess what I want to know straight away is... Were you pleasantly surprised or not? Yeah, I think within there, I think within it, there is an interesting plot. There's an interesting character arc because you're not immediately given all the information and backstory about Captain Nemo. It's only revealed at the end why he has such a negative reaction to humankind. I won't give any spoilers away, but it's linked to his family and uh, a tragedy that took place. Um, So he's a bit of an anti-hero. There's a dark element to him. Um, But I think think the thing that kept me out of it was that 1950s Disney tweeness. Like, for instance, Kurt Russell plays a character. He plays a a torpedo. It's not torpedo. Sorry, it's... uh, Plays a torpedo. uh, It's not a torpedo. It's not Transformers. Becca B says, isn't that three sittings? Very true. You could argue that. And you would you win. Could, um, and you would win the argument. She would win the argument, wouldn't she? So it would be one sitting. It's a trilogy of sittings. One. So um, there sit was two up, snacks. Sit up, sit. Sit up, Absolutely. sit up, sit. I need to do a sittings calculator before these reviews. And also, uh, Kurt Russell is... Um, Kirk Douglas. Uh, he's a, Kurt Douglas, not Russell. Um, it's Kirk important to get my... Douglas. Kirk Douglas, not Russell. No, that's um, Kurt Russell. Yeah, absolutely, Kurt Russell. Um, you're quite right. Kurt and Kirk, Douglas and Russell, two completely different names. <laughs> um, so, uh, and also his character, Ned, is a um, harpoon expert. He's a harpoonerist, whatever it, that is. But he's not a um, a torpedo. So let's be clear on those things. So immediately in this review, I've got character roles and names. He's a a harpoonist. He is not a torpedo. Because I don't want to disappoint people. You're not going to have a talking torpedo. Um, You know, it's not Michael Bay territory. You haven't got people turning into machines type of thing. So let's uh, make sure it's the case. James Manson plays uh, Nemo. Um, so you've got a good cast there. But like, for instance, you've got an element where, by talking about that 1950s Disney tweeness, there's one bit where uh, you see um, Douglas kind of like strumming on a guitar or a banjo, singing an entire song to a, um, a group of sailors. Because it's got that Disney sing-along vibe to it type of thing. And I was sat there thinking, oh, I don't know. This is kind of taking me out of the action. 
And Captain Nemo's got a pet seal that's got some humorous comedy moments, which isn't terrible, but it has got that 50s, I keep saying tweeness family entertainment vibe to it, whereby I think you could have a darker, more action-adventure uh, feel to it. Also, there's a massive action sequence whereby the um, the Noculus, the name of the, the submarine, is attacked by a giant octopus-slash-squid uh, creature. And there are times where, in actual fact, the special effects do still work, where you get these kind of dark silhouette shots of the squid moving to the actual submarine. I was like, God, this works. But then every now and then you get close-ups of the plastic tentacles and the special effects really do date, which I guess, you know, you've got to be realistic. It came out in the 50s, which is a long time ago now. That's over 70 years. Um, but that certainly did take me out of the action every now and then. Okay. Okay, but not their fault. No one's not fault their, there. Not their fault. I would say there were times where um, some of the dialogue sequences What was the went name of the long. underwater ship? Um, the the name of the underwater ship is um, I'm trying to remember the exact name of it. Actual fact, I do apologise. Uh, no worries, doesn't the, matter. The Nebulous, I believe it's called the Norculus. I apologise. The Norculus is the name of the underground uh, underwater, sorry, submarine vessel. Okay. So, um, this, this has been slightly a brighter review than I was expecting. So, this is very interesting. I don't know where you're going to go with this. You could go higher, you could go lower. I'm not quite sure here. So, um, if you give us your review, actually, people stick your reviews in for David does give his review. Um, hmm. Interesting. Okay. I, I've got my, do you know what? I'm going to write down what the review I think you're going to give it. Here we go. This is exciting. Indeed, go for it. So I'll give my review. Everybody give uh, your, your reviews. So, David, now's the time to rate 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, 1954, with Kirk Douglas. How many chalk ices out of five are you going to give it? Take out the fridge three and a half chalk ices, 3.5 chalk ices. He's done it. There you go. There you go, go, go. I would say, you know, there's um, there's good performances. Um, I think Captain Nemo is a fascinating character. You know, I think it's quite interesting. It's a 1950s family drama adventure yarn, but you've got an interesting anti-hero. He's not entirely evil. He's not entirely good. So, I mean, that's quite um, advanced for this type of sort of Disney entertainment. It's not Mary Poppins, you know. It's not just um, lollipops and um, playing croquet with animated foxes. There's a bit more going on with that. So you genuinely enjoyed it more than, more than you thought you would? I would say there were lulls that took place where I go in and out of interest. That's I mean, when the you ship, got the submarine. That's when I got my crumpets and my caffeine. Um, the set design of the underwater submarine is very cool. It's definitely got that kind of steampunk feel, which is quite, in a way, modern. That's you know, you can see how um, video games have kind of adapted that kind of look. Um, I'm trying to think of that specific video game um, uh, that that 
clearly has been really inspired by 20,000 Leagues oh, Under the Sea. I think I know the one you mean. Is Which one is it? Shock? It is Bioshock. Well yeah. done, sir. That would have really that. irritated me. No, well that. done for that because I'd have um, that have really grated in my brain. And also, there's good universe building. Captain Nemo talks a lot about how they um, keep food stored on the ship, how they um, manage to um, uh, you know eat the fish, and they've got their own recycling system on the actual submarine. So there's good universe building there. So there's good elements. But I just say that 1950s Disney tweeness of like Douglas strumming along, singing an entire song to a, a group of sailors. There's like um, it has dated at times. I'd say Jeff there's Dow- lots there to enjoy. Jeff Dow says, "Give me a lull and I'll give you a crumpet." Absolutely. Do you know what, Jeff Dale? That would be a lovely, um, you'd lovely song and lovely advertising slogan. Mm. If you've got a lull in life, fill that lull with crumpet. Give me a lull. Simple as that. I'll give you a crumpet for three pounds ninety-nine. Give me a lull. Give me a crumpet for three pounds ninety-nine. Do you know what? I bought some crumpets yesterday. Six from Tesco's. It cost me forty-five p. I forty-five pounds. No, no, 45p. 45p? I actually had to stop a Tesco worker who was chatting away with another Tesco worker. They weren't getting work done. I don't want to be critical. I had to actually ask her, is that really 45p? Or have you been distracted with your conversation and put them in the wrong shelf? She said, no, it's 45p. Give me and a the other thing, I'll give you a crumpet. Give me a crumpet. 45p, 45p please. Um, and also, I'll tell you something else you can buy in Tesco's. Giant crumpets which are like the size of a, um, I don't know, a Frisbee. So you could no play Frisbee way. and eat it. No the size of a Frisbee. I would say they are the size of um, a miniature Frisbee. They're very big. They're giant crumpets, and you can buy them. <laughs> this show isn't sponsored by crumpets. Thank you so much for this week's movie review. Thank you for your time and your energy. Thanks for your time, you know, listening and taking an interest. David, you got any movie tips this week? I have. I tell you what, there's a really good YouTube channel that's definitely worth checking out called um, Corridor Crew. And Ooh. they are basically um, special effects specialists in Hollywood and they analyze films and they break down how they thought the special effects were actually created. And one one video they did, which was really, really interesting, was that they said that why is it, this is such a good question, why is it that Jurassic Park came out in the early 90s, but the special effects in Jurassic Park are better than the special effects that appear in the more recent Jurassic Park films, like Jurassic World Dominion. Okay, and um, what what, what reason did they... uh... Yeah, they make really good um, comments in the sense that um, they say that Jurassic Park had 60-something CGI shots in it. The rest of it was blended with animatronics. And they said because... um, uh, there were just these specific 60-something shots. They really focused on them, and they had people just perfecting these moments. And also, it was highly storyboarded. So there was a lot more focus in, you know, smaller amount of shots and execution. But the modern-day audience demands 
um, thousands of CGI shots. Do you know what I mean? Not just 60-something. Uh, and because of that, um, the, the same um, focus and um, precision is just not there whatsoever. And also, the um, the T-Rex uh, escape from the... Um, you know, the T-Rex escapes from his kind of pen, doesn't he, in the raining dark shots in Jurassic Park? I don't know. I, I, I'm, for some reason, I don't know Jurassic Park very well. Well, that shot was done with rain and at night time, and it's perfect setting for CGI. And... Uh, but with modern day CGI films, you can't just have one specific scene that focuses on CGI. The whole film needs to be CGI cluttered. And you see the dinosaurs during daytime, late at night, in the modern Jurassic Park films. And because of that, because, you know, um, cinema goers are so demanding and they expect so much CGI, it doesn't go through the same precision and the same... Um, uh, focus because you know it's more like a video game now isn't it and also this is why the special effects uh, community are trying to put a union together because they're so overworked whereby it's just like not trying to like create these perfect moment and iconic moments but just trying to create just chucking cgi moments at the screen 24 7 so this youtube channel is Corridor Crew? Right. Corridor Crew. How did you find that? Was that just a rabbit hole dropping? It, a lot of um, film sites reference them. They've become incredibly popular. Absolutely rabbit hole droppings. If you follow those rabbit hole droppings, you'll w wander down a rabbit hole wormhole and you'll be given some YouTube so I've delights. I just found them here and there. Like, there's one. We remade the Star Wars trench run in one day. 3.7 million views. Oh, they're very, very popular. Seth Rogen went on there recently and sat down with them. And they, are, um, right? uh, they went through the special effects of all Seth Rogen films like This is the End. And they said, this is how we think they did it. How did you do it? Which is an interesting element. And they recreate things. One thing they did, which has really made the industry stand up and think, God, this could be the future, is that they um, have got, they got people to act out a fight sequence in front of a very basic video, like um, an iPhone video. Then they put it through I, um, AI, and AI added animation to it, um, rotoscope animation, where it animates over the actual people. And it looked incredibly good, and it made people realize that you could, um, with a very, very cheap budget, have like an animated TV series. Because, I mean, I could film the animation, you know, just in my lounge, and then I could put myself in a tropical setting with explosions going off. And it makes you realize that you could create kids' animation shows with a very, very low production budget. Um, slight left turn, but how many ants do you think there are in the world? I would say, oh, you're looking at um, millions upon millions of ants. So you're looking at, like, 10 million 10, oh, I'd say 100 million ants. 100 million. Is that your final answer? I would say, um, no, in actual fact, because I think there's hundreds in my garden. So I'd, I'd say um, you're looking at, uh, what I'd say 1.2 billion ants are on the earth. Is that your final answer? Yeah, absolutely final answer. 20 quadrillion. Jesus. Scientists estimate, say. Est scientists estimate that there are 20 quadrillion ants on the Earth. That's 20 million 
quadrillion. I didn't even know quadrillion was a term. I mean, that's just like a new word to me. Full stop. They should be given more rights and more respect, for crying out loud. Sounds like the start of a David Bowie song. 20 million billion ants. Oh, definitely quadrillion ants in the world. What you gonna do about them? There's not one of them with an individual thoughts, just drone monkeys wandering down streets. 20 million billion ants. What are you going to do with them? Okay, thank you. Quadrillion. <laughs> what's it? What's the uh, the classic one? Uh, Captain... To, what's the one, the classic? Um, Ground control, control to Major Tom. 20 million, million billion ants. Feeding off the soil of Mother Earth. Don't want to use. Don't want to use yeah, the same this is melody. True. Absolutely, because he never. You know, he he was very good at coming out with new twenty fresh material, million billion ants crawling round the earth. Yeah, quadrillion, quadratrillion. David, thank you. Got to you. get the uh, echoes on that. <laughs> David, thank you so much for this week's movie tips. Absolutely, that David Bowie song has uh, yeah, it's reignited me. That's got me interested. Yeah, thank you, David. Not a problem. Not a problem at all. Now, my favourite time of the week is the random Mandy chooses, or you choose, uh, uh, blindfoldly, a movie to watch for the next uh, episode. Um, exciting stuff. Exciting, exciting stuff. Let's go for it. So, Mandy's chugging away in the background. The recently engaged Mandy. And, uh, yeah, I don't know about that. You can get engaged, but can you get married? That's the problem. Well, I think it's going to be one of those long-term engagements. Out. I am, I'm going to the vicar straight after this with my toaster and vacuum cleaner. Can you marry these? Didn't think you could. Sorry, vicar, sorry to take you up your tongue. Okay. So, here we go. Let us choose the genre of the first movie. Take your time. Stop. Lovely. You can't go wrong. Do you get nervous war. during this moment? Do you like? Oh God! I I can't. I, I, I never would used be to. the other side. I'd be like, fuck. I never used to, but I have now. I've had to sit through things like Zombies Two and things in that vein. Yeah. Okay. So war, you're probably like, okay. We're one step closer to a, potentially a. And it's usually like adult orientated, isn't it? So it's not going to be. It's the worst thing is when I find myself watching twee Disney stuff, as in tweeny stuff, you yeah. know, that yeah. it's for like 13, 12 year old girls. Okay, so now it's time to choose the decade of this war movie. Stop. 1970s. Okay, now that could be good. 
Mandy, please generate four war movies from the 1970s. Thank you. And she has done, and they're here. And now it's done. And then she's going to spin them around in her belly. And now it's time for you, David, to tell her when to stop spinning them. Stop. The deer hunter. Ah, oh, wowzers. Love it. Okay. Yes, please. Yes, please. Okay. Thank Absolute you very much. Absolute stone cold classico. Absolute knife and fork ready. Let's have a, uh, a chow down, cinema style. Right. Okay. This is nice. This is nice. This is good. This has been positive. Okay. Here we go. Now let's choose the genre of the second movie you might be watching next week. Stop. Romance. Love it. Not, not, not me being uh, clever. Um, ah, Do am I just saying it? that for yeah, the sake I think of you're that? Just saying it, aren't you? I think it's a safe bet. I can go with a bit of romance. Do you know what I mean? It's okay. um, it's a very wide net, isn't it? Okay. All right. So here we go. Uh, let us choose the decade of this romantic movie. Stop. Two thousand and twenties. That's how, that could be good, because I was thinking, God, if it was like 1930s romance, that could be a handful. Okay, Mandy, please generate four romantic movies from the 2020s. She has done. They're here in front of me. She's spinning them around in her belly, and now it's time for you to tell her when to stop. Stop. Gabrielle's Inferno, part two. Blimey, that does not... Part two? I didn't even know Gabrielle had an Inferno in the first place, let alone a sequel. What is that? We've gone from Deer Hunter to DVD Bargain Bucket in your local Tesco's, surely. But having said that, very embarrassingly, there has been films in the past whereby um, I was like, oh, what's that? And it turns out to be a European classic. I'm just too much of a philistine to know. Vin Diesel wasn't in it, so I didn't know it. Let's just choose the uh, let's choose the genre of the third movie that you might be watching uh, to review next week. Stop. Animation. Okay, can't go wrong with animation. And now the decade. Stop. Nineteen seventies. Worrying. And so, Mandy's come up with four animated movies from the 1970s. She's spinning them around in her belly, and now it's time for you to tell her when to stop. Stop. <laughs> the Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Is that a TV series? It sounds like a... Uh, was that the actual film? Film. The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. God, that got a cinema release. Flippity skip. God, it sounds like a TV series. The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh and Deer Hunter. God, this could be a very different weekend, couldn't it? Couldn't it, I mean, just... Like, I mean, I might have to go out and buy more crumpets. Do you know what I mean? I think it's very much on that kind of 
realm. Right. So I've. Thing is, at least I know Winnie the Pooh. The other one, the volcano one or whatever it was. You can't beat a bit of Winnie the Pooh. But you, you really probably can't. can on a Saturday afternoon watching it. I don't know, you know, if it's a class. Yeah. And also, we're talking 70s poo in the sense that it's probably quite dated and a bit, you know, 70s it hasn't got like a modern uh, twist. Okay, here we go. I've given them an A, B and a C. I've jumbled them around, or have I? It's now time, David, for you to choose. With your eyes closed, which movie you are going to review next week. Is it going to be A, B, or C? B. Gabriel's Inferno Part 2. Oh, no. What even is that? I mean, can I even find it? Part 2. What even is it? Listen, it might be really good. We can't I mean, be just, um, we can't be I mean, ju- prejudging no, this. No, you're this quite right. No, I, I do understand. Uh, no, I, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, I'm not, I'm, it's best not to look at reviews, but I mean, I need to make sure I can actually find this. So it's, it's Gabrielle Inferno. Part two. <clears throat> Starring Guillermo Baruti, Melanie Zanetti. Rhett Wellington, Rhett Ramirez, Haviland Stillwell. Yeah, bizarre. there's a part three and a part four. I mean, what is it? Yeah, uh, I mean, pref- I'll tell you what, I might step in here. Would you rather watch part one? Um, yes, I guess so, yeah. Let's go part one. I mean, is it like a TV series? Is it really comes tonight? Um... But not, buddy. I'm I'm trying to make excuses so I can uh, get out of this one, but I'm not going to. This isn't what it's about. Gabriel Inferno is where I'm going. Simple as that. That's the. It's like M giving Bond a mission at the beginning of the film. Sean Connery doesn't, you know. An intriguing exploration of seduction, forbidden love, and redemption. A captivating and passionate tale of one man's escape from his own personal hell as he tries to earn the impossible forgiveness and. Love. Based on a well-known novel. So oh, there you go. Wow. Rowan Atkinson's in it. Oh, there you go. No, he's, no, he's not. <laughs> he's not. <laughs> Why did you suddenly think he, he was? Or was it just like a it's random... Um, a Johnny English. Just thought it would be funny if he was in Gabriel's Oh, Inferno. why not, for crying out. Well, he grabbed me, didn't it? Gabriel's Inferno. You don't know. You might come away for this and go... Everyone's saying watch part two only, please. Chat demand part two. Yeah, that's easy to say, but if you've got to sit through it, surely you've got to watch part one. Otherwise, you'll just be chasing your tail all the time. This is What do you want, David? What do you want? I'm happy to go. If the Patreon are really like um, fists in the air like Panther Power, kind of like, I wanted to do part two, I mean, I'm happy to go part two. Yeah, to two. be fair, they should have written it so that you can jump in at any moment, really. Absolutely. So if they want me to do part two... Yeah, okay. Um, I'm hoping this is easy to find. 
that is the key. Because um, I, I get the vibe, the vibe that part one is going to be easier to locate. We'll try and find part two. And then... Yeah, we've never broken the rules. And we might roll, so to be fair, them's the rules. It's true. Very true. Very true. And they should... You know, you can't write a part two to a... You know, you've got, it's got to be accessible to everyone. 100%, 100%. More than... Um, more than happy to do that. I'm trying to think. I probably need to watch part one before part two. I'm looking at it now. It's just like, what is this? As random as it is. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this week's rap. David's absolutely flustered with Gabrielle's Inferno. I know I am. I'm looking at it just thinking, this ain't worth it. Annoying, isn't it? You might like it. I think this is the one where the, the brat in me has come out the most, where it's just like, oh, this is just like, what's this about? Oh, really? This has pissed you oh, off? Not, not, to that, not, not to that extent. I don't want to come over to that extent. Do you know what I mean? But it's like... Um, this isn't going to be good. This is bollocks. What's, why am I doing this? I could be completely... How many times have I done that with Wild West films and stuff like that? So, I mean, you know, I've got to realise that uh, Future Dave, many a time, has sat there. I think also the best way to go into watching a film is with the lowest expectations going. Yeah. Because it always fulfils you in a big, big way. Yeah. So, um, and also, if there is a part four, people have obviously come back and watched it. So, that's obviously a seal of approval. And perhaps I need a bit of romance in my bloody life. Maybe nude scenes. Absolutely. And that's what you want on a Saturday with your crumpet. And that's not me doing a, a, a sexual metaphor innuendo or anything like that. No. It's, um, it's me just saying, you know, the uh, confectionery snack would be quite nice alongside some uh, tasty shot romance socks. Tasty shots, romance socks, socks. <laughs> romance socks. I'll be wearing my my red romance Valentine socks. Thank you so much, David, for this week's uh, random movie genera- generator. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please like and subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. And um, that's it. That's it. Thank you for your time, people. Please subscribe away. A hundred percent appreciated. Let's jump into the Patreon share to answer some questions. Absolutely.